Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your crown jewel 2023 post show for november 4th 2023 i am your host shady from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue inside my mother's basement thank you guys so very much for joining me on your saturday afternoons wherever you may be crown jewel in the books Crown Jewel is in the books, and I saw a lot of people in the chat very, very mixed on tonight's show. WWE started off hot, man. They really did. Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre, they ended the night with the match of the night, in my honest opinion. I I thought they did a fantastic job to open the show. I thought that was... One of the best matches that WWE put on all year, in general. After that, the show kind of slowly went downhill, and I don't think fans really recovered from the first third of the show tonight. I don't know what had happened, but the show didn't really feel the same in the second half of the show. It dragged, it felt like a never-ending raw. Some of the audience really didn't pop or show excitement for certain superstars up until the main event. And then that opened up a very similar and familiar can of worms, which didn't leave a lot of people happy this evening. And I guess we'll start with that because it was the main event and it was... The biggest piece of business that WWE had underneath the microscope. How were they going to get LA Knight in this match where everyone knew he was not going to win the championship? How were they going to get him out of Saudi Arabia into Survivor Series with momentum? with the same amount of heat that he has coming into Crown Jewel. Nobody knew. Nobody had an answer. The general consensus was, I don't want to see Roman Reigns win the match the same way he's won the last three years. And that is with a Solo Sokoa interference, or a Jimmy Uso interference, or a Paul Heyman interference. 
interference. Of course, WWE gave us the one ending that everybody didn't want. Which is leaving a worst case situation for WWE with this Roman Reigns title run. The longer this title run goes on and the longer this reign continues and the more that WWE has Roman win these matches in the same way, there are more people monthly that are jumping on the bandwagon of, well, Cody should have won at WrestleMania. He should have won at WrestleMania 39. I don't disagree with those people. I don't. I've documented several times that everything Roman Reigns has done following WrestleMania could have been done without the WWE championships. Now, Cody should be the champion now. I don't give a shit what anybody said. Cody should be the champion now. If they didn't pull the trigger at WrestleMania 39, it should have absolutely been at SummerSlam. I know everybody wanted it at WrestleMania because it's the setting and the event and the crowd and the moment. But they didn't. They had a chance to redo it. They had a chance to give back. They had a chance to tell a longer story. Flesh out a longer story. With adversity. That's all I wanted. I wanted a little dose of adversity on WWE television. And they gave us Cody and Brock for four months. And nothing came of that at all. Meanwhile, Roman hasn't defended the title since SummerSlam. And tonight was the first time we've seen him at a PLE since he defended the title against Jey Uso at SummerSlam. Roman Reigns and this title run is leaving everybody with a horrible taste month after month after month after month in their mouth. And I don't know how we collectively can wash that taste out of our mouth. I asked for one thing and one thing only as a fan. Don't give me the uber predictable. And they gave us the uber predictable. Roman Reigns was helped by Jimmy Uso and Solo was out there and Jimmy Uso was the culprit tonight, which led to LA Knight losing against Roman and Roman retaining the WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. I thought it was a great match. I thought it was everything you needed it to be. LA Knight worked well with Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns put over LA Knight. It was a big spot for him. LA Knight deserved it. It was a test that WWE gave to him, and he passed the test with flying colors. He passed the Roman test. He passed the Miz test. He passed the John Cena test. But nobody predicted Him to win the championship. It was too soon. Not in Saudi Arabia. WWE had one job to do. Beat LA Knight. Make him look strong. And get him into Survivor Series. I don't know what Survivor Series is going to give us. Now the way that I see it. The way that I would book it. 
I don't give a fuck what Meltzer said. I don't give a shit who reported Roman Reigns is not going to be at the Survivor Series. I don't give a shit. Roman Reigns needs to be at Survivor Series. Now, do I believe the report? No. Survivor Series is one of the big five pay-per-views. If Roman works any fucking show all year, it's one of the big five pay-per-views. All five of them bitches, he works it. Simple. He works Rumble, he works Manny, he works SummerSlam, he works Survivor Series, he works Money in the Bank. Simple. I don't know why we are having this discussion. If it doesn't want to work a fast lane or a backlash or a fucking uh, extreme rules, fine. That's what we got Seth Rollins for. He likes playing second fiddle. He likes becoming the second place guy in the company. He's content with being second best. It's great. Roman should be at Survivor Series. The only outcome that this match, this outcome should give way to in Chicago is war games. That's it. I don't give a fuck who you put on the team. I don't give a shit how you get us there. It should be bloodline slash judgment day against Cody and his boys. Some of you are already saying, well, don't put Cody and Roman in the ring before WrestleMania. I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't. That's something that I want to see because it's going to make war games bigger. Cody's getting involved with Roman at WrestleMania. We know that. So why not give us a taste of WrestleMania early? Bloodlines mixing it up and making business dealings with the fucking group that's ruining Cody's life right now. Why wouldn't he be a part of that? Why wouldn't he want to stop that? It's a great way to fucking tell his story. Let me get rid of Judgment Day and then I'll focus on the bloodline. They're already half dead anyway. They're weakened in a weakened state. That's the only outcome that this match should give way to. And Roman should absolutely work Survivor Series. Now, it's not very apparent that that is going to be the case because Cody and Damian Priest had a very good match, basic Monday Night Raw match on a PLE, nothing very special about it. But War Games could also play out in a completely different way from what we've seen tonight. And it might not even include the bloodline. But at the end of the day, if you don't include the bloodline, what are you doing with Jimmy Uso? What are you doing with Roman Reigns? And what are you doing with Solo Sokoa at Survivor Series when they don't really factor into anything else? It's got to work out the way that I'm describing to you. Otherwise, it doesn't work at all. Roman Reigns, Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest. There's five. There's five right there. Against Team Cody. Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, LA Knight, and Randy Orton. Because Randy Orton's coming back. Randy Orton has the mystery fifth man. The only guy that makes sense there. Oh, what about John Cena? No. Oh, what about Ricochet? No. Those names aren't doing anything for me. They're not getting my feelings into Survivor Series. Randy Orton is getting my feelings into Survivor Series. Randy Orton's going to take war games to the next level. Not only that, he's friends with Cody, and he hates Roman Reigns because the bloodline put him out for a year and a half. I work for free. 
You don't even have to pay me for these ideas. Just fucking take it. I'll hand it to you on a silver platter. Just get it done. Seriously. Roman should be at Survivor Series. Roman should be in war games. Oh, what do you do with the rest of Judgment Day? I don't give a fuck what you do with the rest of Judgment Day. Figure it out. Figure it out. Dominic's got something going on with Ricochet. Figure it out. Want to do Dominic versus Ricochet for the North American title? Figure it out. You want to put Dominic in a team with Logan Paul against Ricochet and Rey Mysterio? Figure it out. Sounds like a good Survivor Series match to me. Meanwhile, you get everybody else covered in the War Games match. You get the rest of Judgment Day with Dominic. There. Does J.D. McDonough, do you guys want to see J.D. McDonough in a big role? Are you clamoring to see J.D. McDonough in a War Games match? Give me a fucking break. Oh, what about the rest of Judgment Day? I don't give a fuck. Is he even in Judgment Day officially? Nobody cares. That's how you got to play it out. Figure it out. Because if LA Knight doesn't get some resemblance of fucking revenge here, the fuck did we hold this match on a PLE for? Why did we do this match today, this afternoon? Oh, but what about, what about Drew McIntyre? I'm sorry, what do you want to do with Drew McIntyre? Run the match with Seth Rollins back. Run it back. Seriously, after tonight, you don't want to see another match with those guys? The look that Rhea Ripley gave him after he lost was a look of, I told you so, the deal is still on the table if you want it. Now you know what we could do for you. Run it back. Figure it out. Drew McIntyre doesn't need to be on a Judgment Day War Games team. Seth Rollins doesn't need to be on a Cody Rhodes-led War Games team. He's the world champion. He's got his own fucking problems. None of his problems consist with Roman Reigns and the bloodline. Consists with Drew McIntyre. Figure it out. I just booked three huge matches. For Survivor Series. And I'm not even including the women yet. Figure it out. That's the only thing that logistically makes sense coming out of the outcome of this Roman Reigns and LA Night match. The other big thing that happened tonight. Kyrie Sane. She returned to WWE. And she is back with the company. What this means for storyline, I don't really know. I don't. And at first glance, I want to say the return of Kyrie Sane felt very lame. That shit was as flat as fucking Pepsi sitting out on your kitchen counter without the top on for seven days. That's how fucking flat Kyrie Sane's return felt when I seen her jump the barricade and give Bianca Belair a spinning back fist. Flat. Did I dislike it? At first glance, maybe for the first minute or two, I, I, I said, is that the best we got here? Debuting her in Saudi at Crown Jewel to the sound of fucking crickets. Seriously. 
to the sound of what I hear when I open my window in the middle of the summer at 10 o'clock, crickets. In fact, the sound of the fucking crickets when I opened my window sounded a lot better than what Kyrie Sane got tonight. Ridiculous. Flat. But, with Kyrie being interjected into this now, it definitely opens up a few interesting aspects. Number one, it gives WWE some story in the women's division. It's already taken damage control and made them a whole hell of a lot more interesting than before this show. Because now, with the inclusion of Kyrie Sane helping EO win the match and retain the women's championship, what does this mean? Are the women getting a War Games match? Are we getting some fucking Japanese woman assassin group in War Games? I don't know. Is Bianca Belair going to assemble a team of baby faces here to go against Io and her group? I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. But damage control seems to be on the rocks. They seem to be on the verge of splitting up. Bailey didn't know what to think about Io hugging Kyrie Sane. Michael Cole really made it apparent on commentary tonight that the reason why Kyrie Sane was booted out of the WWE was because of Bailey. He explained their history before Kyrie was let go or she wasn't really let go. She left WWE. They pinned that solely on Bailey. So they're playing up the history between those two already. And EO knows Kyrie for a very long time, longer than she knows Bailey. So is damage control going to be split up? Is Bailey going babyface, which I asked you guys last night on the SmackDown review? She needs something to change. Damage control's a failure. With Kyrie coming in, EO, Kyrie, Asuka, potentially, who else? I don't know. Seemingly looks like Bianca Belair is going to do battle with EO as EO surrounds herself with friends that she can trust and not Bailey. Because you've been seeing this on TV that EO doesn't really trust Bailey. And Bailey keeps getting in EO's business. So what did she do? She went to go call the one person that she knows best. The one person that's not going to fuck her over. So I like where this is going. It makes damage control much more interesting than they were at any other point in all of 2023. And what I also like is potentially, I don't know where Jade Cargill's going. I don't. But WWE really has thrown Jade Cargill out there in the public spotlight, whether it's on Raw, whether it's on SmackDown, whether it's on NXT. They mentioned her on commentary tonight after the women's match where Rhea Ripley retained that championship. She could very well go to Monday Night Raw. But Bianca Belair and Jade Cargill as a super tag team against EO and Kyrie. I mean, take my fucking money. I don't know about you guys, but I think that would be... Uh, some pretty solid fucking storytelling if WWE wanted to do that on Friday night. But that would also really heavily swing the SmackDown women's division to being fucking unbelievable. If they add Kyrie and then Jade over on SmackDown and then leave Rhea with nobody. 
So a whole hell of a lot more interesting is damage control now. But Kyrie Sane returned to the company. She looks fantastic. It was so great to see the insane elbow again. She delivered one hell of an elbow on Bianca Belair tonight. Fucking beautiful. And the Pirate Princess is back. I was a big fan of Kyrie Sane in WWE. I was a big fan of her when she left. I thought she had some great work outside the WWE this year. But now she's back. And is she going to play a factor into the women getting a War Games match in Chicago at Survivor Series? Only time will tell. We got three weeks to tell that story. The other big thing that happened tonight was John Cena. John Cena and Solo Sokoa. John Cena teased retirement tonight. That's exactly what he wants you to think. John Cena ain't going anywhere. John Cena, the only place he's going is Hollywood. He's not leaving WWE. He's not calling it quits yet. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There's a lot of story for John Cena to tell, and we will get into what he said about how he wants his career to wind down and why he loves coming back to the WWE. But Hollywood is now first and foremost in John Cena's career, not the WWE. But he's back and he did the job. A lot of us wondered if John Cena was going to go out there tonight and put Solo Sokoa over, and he did just that. And he did it beautifully. So enough of the John Cena slander. Enough of telling me and everybody else that John Cena sucks. 
You may not like the professional wrestler that he is. You may not like that this guy, after fucking three Samoan spikes, still is calling spots in the ring tonight. Like we didn't see what he was doing in the ring with Solo, yelling at him right on camera. At the end of the day, there's one guy in this company, if there's one guy in this company, on that active roster that knows what needs to be done to help the future. It's John Cena. Very good match. I expected it to be a a fucking, a downer. I expected it to be mostly a house show match. I thought it was a very, very good match between John Cena and Solo Sokoa. We're going to go over Logan Paul. Him winning the United States Championship was predictable, but I'm going to flesh out exactly where the United States Championship is going from this point on into Survivor Series, into the Royal Rumble, and at WrestleMania. You may not like Logan Paul holding the United States Championship, but WWE is certainly going to love where Logan Paul takes the United States Championship when he's not on WWE television. What exactly was Rey Mysterio doing with the United States Championship that you guys wanted Rey Mysterio to beat Logan Paul tonight? If you can give me a adequate answer, I'd love to hear them. Here's a spoiler. There are none. The only thing Rey Mysterio should be doing is aiding the LWO and feuding with Santos Escobar, which I've been predicting since WrestleMania this year. And we'll talk about that today on the podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining me right here on OTS. We're going to get into all this stuff tonight. I want to thank my family on kick as well. The OTS family on kick. We are multi-streaming for the first time trying it out. Not only are we live on YouTube, but we are live on kick. So if you guys are on kick and you want to support the show because fuck YouTube, I would greatly appreciate you guys going to do that, man. Make sure you guys go and check us out on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are a little bit more than 400 subscribers away from 150,000 subscribers. Hit that thumbs up as well, guys. We got 2,400 people in the venue tonight. We got 580 likes. Unacceptable. I need at least 1,000 likes tonight. Right here on the post show on YouTube. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Go check out all the other content on the channel. There is plenty of it. Plenty of it. I also have a second YouTube channel as well. Link is down in the description below. Thank you for all the kind words on the content going up over there. We got some... Pokemon card unboxings coming up, man. Can't wait. Super excited about this. Excellent stuff. We'll be streaming some Modern Warfare 3 over there. We're going to have some fun this winter over there, man. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button over on the second channel as well. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew, BlueChew.com, code JD at checkout. 
Don't be like WWE Creative where they book the same fucking Roman Reigns ending all the time. Give yourself the power of long-term booking with Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, Code JD at checkout. I want to thank them for once again sponsoring the live stream tonight on OTS. Appreciate you guys very much, man. Uh, no, I will not be playing Warzone. I hate Warzone. I'm more of a multiplayer guy. Uh, I never found interest in Warzone, but uh, I may actually, I may actually check out some Fortnite. My guys are on Fortnite, man. So uh, they're having a good time over there. So we'll uh, maybe jump into that as well with them. Anyway, we're not here to talk about fucking Fortnite or Call of Duty or Pokemon. We're here to talk about Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. 1 p.m. start time, we got a pre-show match. Sami Zayn versus J.D. McDonough. Solid match, more like a Monday Night Raw match. Really didn't do much for me. Didn't really get me feeling hyped for the show. Always great to see Sami Zayn. Always great to see the reactions for Sami Zayn, no matter where he is in the world. This was very much like a Monday Night Raw match. Sami Zayn, obviously they wanted him to be part of the show. Hugely and widely popular here in this part of the world. He wins in about 10 minutes. A couple of things of note in this match. J.D. McDonough sold his fucking ass off for Sami Zayn. Sold his ass off. I don't know why he went above and beyond for Sami Zayn, but listen, man, he wants to prove that he's worth something. And he sold his ass off for Sami Zayn tonight, so much so that he had one nasty-looking fucking rash, this red spot, on the left side of his hip. I don't know what happened. If someone in the chat can tell me what happened there, man. What the fuck happened? Did he get like a rug burn on the mat? Did he get a rug burn on the ropes? I mean, that was fucking gnarly looking. Another thing of note here. And this is my favorite part of the whole match. Sami Zayn hit an exploder suplex in the corner, which usually sets up the halluva kick. The halluva kick is usually Sami Zayn's finishing move. Sami Zayn delivered the halluva kick and ended the match with the blue thunderbomb. How many times have I said this on the streams, on my post shows, when Sami Zayn wrestles? I'd love to see Sami Zayn use the halluva kick as a setup and the Blue Thunder Bomb is a finish. It's exactly what he did here tonight. I loved it. He won a match with the fucking Blue Thunder Bomb. One, two, three. Sami Zayn gets the victory. And he is victorious here at Crown Jewel. J.D. McDonough sold his ass off, got his ass beat. Sami Zayn gets the victory. Main show. Seth Rollins. Andrew McIntyre, this one was for the WWE World's Heavyweight Championship. I was looking forward to this match very much coming into tonight's show. Really good stuff. I said this on social media, and I'm going to reiterate it to you guys again here. Two different things I want to tell you. Number one, Drew McIntyre is absolutely fucking phenomenal. Huge Drew McIntyre guy. If there's one guy on the WWE roster that they need to keep at all costs, 
it's Drew McIntyre. The only thing that's going to drive Drew McIntyre away from this company is the creative that he's been dealt. He seemingly wants something fruitful and substantial in the creative department. I don't know what that is. Right now, he's got the most intriguing character on television. His heel turn is becoming excellent TV. The slow burn, the potential partnership with the bloodline, his sinking into this deprived mind state, can't let go of what the bloodline did to him, can't let go what management has done to him, have done nothing to help him in his battles with the bloodline, in his battles with the Judgment Day, this and that, all the wrongdoings, nobody's helped him. It's driving him mad. He has quickly become the most intriguing character on Monday Night Raw, not holding a world championship or not holding a championship in general. Loving the TV when Drew McIntyre is on the TV. This was also, you may disagree with me, but I don't really know what else Seth Rollins has done in this title run that's really above and beyond this great. This was the best Seth Rollins title defense of his entire run. Bar none. Easily the best match of his entire World Heavyweight Championship title run. The only other match that comes close to this, I would say, is probably against AJ Styles at the last Saudi show. And this was probably the best Seth Rollins match since his Logan Paul match at WrestleMania. Good stuff. This could have absolutely been the main event of the show if they wanted it to. McIntyre started off. He took Rollins down. They traded chops. McIntyre started throwing Rollins around, hit a suplex. Rollins hit a running knee, came off the apron, went for a suicide dive, but McIntyre caught him in midair and then gave him an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. McIntyre continued to work over Rollins in the ring. Rollins started coming back with some chops. McIntyre hit a big kick, goes for a quick cover, gets a near fall. Rollins is now reeling on the ropes. He cut off McIntyre, landed back on his feet, connected with a kick of his own to McIntyre's head. Rollins then hits a knee and launched off the momentum of whatever he was doing with a rolling senton and then a lion salt for a near fall on Drew McIntyre. Rollins connected with a Falcon Arrow. Falcon Arrow is a great looking move. Not really a good substantial pinfall situation for Rollins, but it's impressive in itself because McIntyre's not a small guy. Hits the Falcon Arrow. He went for the superplex. But as Rollins rolled through, McIntyre counted with another suplex for a near fall. McIntyre then hit the Future Shock DDT. He goes for another quick cover. He gets a two count. Rollins starts coming back. One of the worst aspects of Rollins' offense is his suicide dive. Awful. There's absolutely no impact at all. It reminds me of John Moxley's suicide dive. His suicide dive is awful as well. You want to do a suicide dive, you fucking go out there and you do one like Samoa Joe or do one like Brian Danielson or do one like Darby Allen, where it's like he, he's a gunshot out of the chamber of a fucking, fucking shotgun. Ridiculous. Suicide dive didn't look all that impressive. McIntyre comes back, ramming Rollins back into the steel steps, targeting that back. The back is the issue. 
McIntyre then gave Rollins a side slam on the apron, which looked nasty. Rollins countered McIntyre, hit a pedigree. Don't like Rollins' pedigree either. He never, it doesn't really feel impactful. When Triple H did it, it was impactful. Here, Rollins is doing it as a setup move, which takes away from when Triple H used to do it. He used to finish people off, and now it doesn't. So what does that mean? Triple H had a great pedigree. Rollins does not. I don't like it. He goes for the stomp after the pedigree, after the near fall. Goes for the stomp. McIntyre escaped, hit another belly-to-belly suplex. McIntyre called for a claymore. Three, two, one. Rollins countered McIntyre in mid-claymore stride with a super kick. Then he hits the stomp. Goes for cover. McIntyre kicks out. This was the best. This, This may have been the most... I would say, to me, the most impressive spot of the entire night, this was fucking incredible, what I'm about to tell you. So after the stomp, McIntyre kicks out of the two. Rollins goes up top. He goes for his Phoenix Splash. He never really hits it. So he goes off the top. He rolls through. He collects his balance and tries to find out where he is. He turns around, and McIntyre's already waiting With a Claymore kick off the top rope in mid-Phoenix splash. He just comes off the top. He rolls through. He turns around. Claymore kick. I thought that was the end of the fucking match. If you wanted to give me Drew McIntyre winning the world championship off that spot, I would have gladly taken it seven days out of the week. That should have been it. I thought that was it. My mouth was fucking for about a good five seconds. I thought that was the end of the match. Excellent, excellent, excellent spot. Rollins kicks out. He goes for another pedigree. He hits a stomp. And that's the end of the match. Seth Rollins retained the championship off of a pedigree and a stomp following the Claymore kick. After the match, Damian Priest music hits. He comes to the ring. He's got the briefcase. He told the referee he wanted to cash it in. He cashes it in. However, a hooded individual jumped the barricade and threw Damian Priest into the ring post or attacked Damian Priest. He ran off with the briefcase and it was revealed to be Sami Zayn. The segment and the match ended with Sami Zayn running through the crowd with Damian Priest chasing after him running away with the money in the bank briefcase. Now, I thought it would have been fucking hilarious if Damian Priest cashed in the briefcase, beat Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship, only to then defend it later on in the night against Cody Rhodes and lose it to Cody Rhodes. I know you guys were thinking the same fucking thing. I know you were thinking the same fucking thing. Drew McIntyre was... Obviously dejected. Rollins was happy. Sami Zayn helped him. He survived another night without a cash-in. Damian Priest has been teasing that cash-in all week. Maybe I'll cash it in on Roman. Maybe I'll cash it in on Rollins. You never know. But at the end of all this, McIntyre was sitting on a production crate backstage, dejected, sad, defeated. Rhea Ripley was about to make her way out to the ring for her championship matchup next. And she gave him a look like, I told you so. All you needed to do was listen to my guidance, listen to what I told you. 
take the deal that I gave you a few weeks back and you wouldn't be in this situation. What do we do with Drew? I don't know. Now, I will say this. I gave you guys what I think should be the War Games match with the Bloodline and the Judgment Day on the same team. There was a rumor that WrestleVotes put out that WWE Creative was thinking about keeping War Games on Raw only and not mixing both brands. Meanwhile, WWE has done so much over the past two or three months to bring Judgment Day to the other show and have them align with the Bloodline. I mean, we've seen their partnership throughout most of this year. And now you won't do Bloodline and Judgment Day at War Games. Kind of silly not to. But if they want to go and keep War Games on one brand, on Raw, I could see Damian Priest being on the Judgment Day team because they're going to need a fifth. Damian Priest, Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, Dominic Mysterio, and Drew McIntyre against Cody, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, Ricochet, and Seth Rollins. Doesn't really have the impact as the first match that I explained to you. What does Roman do? Does Roman really miss Survivor Series? I don't think that's good for business. I don't. The show's going to be sold on anyway, so they don't really need Roman Reigns. But I think Roman should be at the Survivor Series. It's one of the big five. It's a bad look if he misses it. What do you do with Solo? What do you do with Jimmy? What do you do with LA Knight? There's a lot of missing pieces there. I mean, you just can't leave these people out in the dust for Survivor Series with nothing to do. LA Knight needs to be in war games. The fuck are you going to do with him? So the rumor of it being on Raw only, hopefully, is nothing more than a rumor. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. I'm just going off what we've been watching on television. Makes sense. I just don't like it. And then you leave a lot of other talent that should be in that match out with nothing to do. But Drew McIntyre, the most intriguing character on Monday Night Raw, dejected after the match. I would not mind a rematch between McIntyre and Rollins at Survivor Series. I would not. I think that would be fucking fantastic. And then maybe we get get a cash in then, for all we know. Who knows? Women's Championship, Rhea Ripley, Nia Jax, Raquel Rodriguez, Zoe Stark, and Shayna Baszler. Fatal five-way. I thought this was decent for what it was, but again, very predictable for the ladies here tonight. Nobody thought Rhea Ripley was going to lose. The women's championship here tonight. Nobody. Now, the ladies got their their entrances. Nia got her entrance and Raquel got her entrance. Zoe, Shayna, very generic. Rhea Ripley came out to the most unimpressive entrance that I've seen maybe all year. I mean, I don't know what the fuck it was, but they took their sweet time and it was very long winded and we didn't get any, we had all these guys dressed up in, in, in white and they came out with like candles and Rhea Ripley showed up after everybody lined up on stage. That was basically it. It was no, nothing, absolutely nothing. Now Rhea Ripley on her attire, she looked great tonight. I, I, I think this aesthetically was the best that Rhea Ripley looked tonight. She definitely gave off 
Crow vibes tonight. She definitely gave off Sting Crow vibes tonight. So I thought that was great. Probably the best Rhea Ripley's looked uh, attire-wise, look-wise, uh, during her entire, entire title run with the Judgment Day. Excellent stuff there. So the ladies, they went for pinfalls early on Rhea Ripley. Now, they didn't need to pin Rhea Ripley to win the title, but they wanted to go after Rhea Ripley and try to pin Rhea Ripley to say that they've done it and pinned Rhea Ripley for the title, even though they didn't really need to. Nia Jax dragged Rodriguez out of the ring. Baszler was with Rodriguez, took out Nia Jax with a big suplex. Ripley and Jax then went at it. Jax overpowered Rhea Ripley and hit a leg drop on Rhea for a near fall. Baszler got in some heel hooks. She got a double heel hook on Rhea and Raquel. And then she put Naya in a Kirafuda clutch show. So she had three women in a submission hold at the same time. Zoe Stark broke this up. She went for a quick pinfall on Baszler because everybody else was down and Baszler kicks out. Zoe went to the top. Rhea Ripley cut her off. Superplex, obviously the very generic superplex Tower of Doom spot in a multi-person match here on WWE TV. You see it all the time. It's not impressive. It's not. But we saw it here. Big superplex Tower of Doom spot. Rhea Ripley and Rodriguez covered and were knocked off the apron by Zoe. She then did a springboard dive to the floor and connected with a missile dropkick on Rhea Ripley. She went for a Z360, which was her finishing move. Nia Jax broke it up in the most laziest way possible. She gave a little flick of a kick, and it just came off like she did not give a shit at all. I would not doubt that Nia Jax didn't give a shit to be here tonight. She laid out Baszler, went for a big bonsai drop. Raquel caught her, hit a... What looked to be a Tejana bomb, a power bomb. That's her finish. I don't know what the fuck it was, but whatever you want to call it, it was a half power bomb for a near fall. Rip, Rhea Ripley went for the Riptide. Baszler came in and got a Kirafuda clutch on Rhea. Rhea was going for the Riptide on Zoe off the top rope. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Baszler came in with the Kirafuda clutch on Raquel. Then Rhea Ripley went for the Riptide on Zoe. She takes Zoe to the top rope to do this avalanche Riptide. She sees that Rodriguez is covering Baszler for a pinfall. She takes Zoe in the Riptide and does an avalanche Riptide off the top, on top of Baszler and on top of Raquel. And she planted Zoe on top of all these women and then covered Baszler for the one, two, three. That was a nice spot. Quick thinking by Rhea Ripley. I would have did the same thing. It was legitimately the only thing that she had to do there. And it was enough to get the victory. And Rhea Ripley retains the WWE Women's World Heavyweight Championship. I got one big question in regards to Rhea Ripley. WWE put her in a women's match with most of the roster on Monday night. The only two women... Right now, on Monday Night Raw, that Rhea has not beaten is Becky Lynch, obviously, and Liv Morgan, who's out with injury and could potentially play into a longer-term story because Rhea Ripley put out Liv Morgan uh, with this current injury that she has right now, storyline-wise. 
So those are the only two women right now on the Monday Night Raw brand that are worth anything against Rhea Ripley. We got Zia Lee, we got Candice LeRae, we got Indy Hartwell, we got Natty, we got Chelsea Green, Piper Niven, Nikki Cross. Spare me. Give me a break. Nobody gives a fuck. Those women are not challenging Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship. They're not going to WrestleMania to wrestle Rhea Ripley for the World Championship on the grandest stage of them all. Give me a break. It's either Liv or Becky. Now, I would personally choose Liv because the story's there. I'm choosing story over the obvious. And Becky, do we get a call up? Maybe we get Rhea and Tiffany Stratton. Maybe we are getting fast-tracked to Rhea and Jade. I don't want to see Jade on TV until she knows how to do a proper fucking headlock correctly. And even that's a stretch. She needs a lot of work. I don't think she's ready to be in the ring with Rhea Ripley. I don't give a fuck what she looks like or what they look like standing next to each other. If you're not going to go in there and be the part, that's only 50% of what you got. You can look the part, but are you the part? They're going to have to learn to wrestle somehow. Hopefully she's a, a quick learner. And hopefully she's coming along in the performance center. But right now, Rhea Ripley's got nobody. Becky? What are we doing for War Games? What are we doing for Survivor Series? Don't know, man. Typical WWE exhausting all their options for Rhea Ripley. Now she's got nobody. Solo Sokoa. One-on-one with John Cena. John Cena. And the story around John Cena was that he hasn't won a match in over 2,000 days. 2,000 days. It's a lot of days for not winning a wrestling match. John Cena comically came out two weeks ago on SmackDown and said that he thinks he's losing connection with the audience. No, I don't think that's the case. I don't think John Cena could ever lose connection to the audience. I think when John Cena retires, it's going to be a, a, a huge deal. John Cena is not losing connection to the audience. John Cena is just experiencing an aging veteran at the last stage of his career. That's all he's experiencing. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody goes through it. But he's gotten involved with the bloodline. Being that Solo is nobody to fuck around with, you don't want to find out and fuck around with Solo Sokoa. He can't wrestle Roman Reigns. A match with Jimmy Uso just isn't going to sell anybody. So a match with Solo is the way to go. Now, I thought that they would hold off on this till WrestleMania. We still actually may get that at WrestleMania. But right now, we're looking at John Cena and Solo Sokoa one-on-one. And I thought this was a very good match. A lot of people were worried that John Cena wasn't going to do the job. Oh, John Cena's going to win, and Solo Sokoa's going to lose, and John Cena's not going to put over the younger talent. I don't know why anybody thought that. You really got no faith in this version of John Cena, the 2023 version of John Cena. Now, the ruthless aggression John Cena probably would have buried everybody. He had that ego about him. He had that, that aura about him. He had that reputation about him. John Cena in 2023, at 47, 48 years old, however old he is, he's not going to go into a WWE pay-per-view with Solo Sokoa, who everybody's incredibly high on, and then beat him clean 
with no bloodline assistance. I don't know why you would think that. John Cena, if there's one person in this company on the active roster that knows what needs to be done and knows where his most value comes from, it's putting over younger talent. It's John Cena. I didn't expect John Cena to go out there and quote-unquote bury Solo Sokoa. Now, for all we know, John Cena could be headed back to Hollywood. I think this was the last appearance of John Cena on WWE television, at least for the time being, maybe till WrestleMania. Maybe till WrestleMania. The WWE has given John Cena some decent work in this run. They have. Now, Cena was a guest on the 200th episode of After the Bell. He discussed his current run and how it came about. He stated that at the SAG-AFTRA strike, the Actors Guild strike, still ongoing, he received a legal and written approval to come back to WWE from the Writers Guild. He says, well, that's certainly a happening that's beyond my control, So I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of things on the movie and television side lined up and none of which I can talk about right now. We're in the middle of a labor dispute. Then the labor dispute happens and the Screen Actors Guild decides as an entire group to go on strike, which either leaves me idle or asking questions of, well, what can I do? What is within my control? And I wanted to see if it was okay to come back to tour So we called the proper people at SAG and we got written legal letters and the okay that it would be okay to come back to WWE. And once I had that, then I could ask the question of, hey, WWE, do you guys want me to come back and hang out for a little bit? So here we are. John Cena respects who he works for. Hollywood is his number one right now. Then he was asked what's left for him to do in WWE. Clearly, this match with Solo was going to happen one way or another, whether it was here or at WrestleMania. He says this. The great thing about WWE is that there's always another show and there's always something to accomplish. I think individuals tend to look at it selfishly. Can I win a 17th championship? Now, personally, that's something that I'd like to see happen. One final run told the right way. I haven't won the Intercontinental Championship. You guys wouldn't be interested in a Gunther vs. John Cena mega match for the Intercontinental title? I think that would sell some money or uh, sell some tickets, put some asses in seats. I know that would generate interest from from me anyway. That's just my POV. I want to win another Money in the Bank. I want to win another Royal Rumble. It could be like, I'd like to help Roman Reigns become larger, global phenomenon. I would like to be Austin Theory's mentor. I would like to do as many live events as I possibly can because physically I'm able to do them and just give the yield of trying to give whatever I have left to an audience that cares while they care. I don't look at accomplishments in a perspective of I need to win another championship. I need to do this. I need a chance to get out there in any capacity. And then I want to be able to take that. Okay, What's the hand I've been dealt? All right, I'm going to try to play this the best that I can. I don't think I'll ever run out of things to possibly accomplish. The sad struggle that I have every day is I'm 46. I'll be 47 in April. And everyone is so skilled. And I can't do the things I used to do anymore 
And I don't know if you've been watching my stuff, but I don't do that much. So I also want to be able to contribute to the WWE and then walk away from it. And I mean, walk away from it. Not all hunched over, not broken and beaten, but appreciative and healthy. And with a perspective of this is a great chapter in the story of my life and one that has made me who I am. When John Cena retires, it's going to be a sad day. Honestly, I was anti-Cena for a very long time. When John Cena won the United States Championship and had the John Cena United States Open Challenge, a switch flipped on, and I'm like, John Cena's not that bad. He's lowered himself to the United States Championship standards, trying to get that championship over, and wrestling people that you would never think that John Cena would be in the ring with. He wrestled everybody from Pac to Sami Zayn to Kevin Owens and you name it. Claudio, when he was Cesaro, which was one of the better matches that he had in that United States Open. Sami Zayn as well. Pac was a great match. Regardless, John Cena at that point started to become the company guy that we needed him to be. In there with younger talent, putting the mid-card secondary title on his back and carrying it to some prosperity where it was dead before that. If he wants an IC title run, I'm not going to look at it as a bad thing. If he wants to chase 17, the story's there. As far as I'm concerned, it needs to be done. Because why do you have that and not explore it? It's like you got a sequel right there and you don't want to do it. The opening for great story is there. You don't want to do it. Maybe when Cody wins the title, maybe Cody and John Cena could be the end-all, be-all for John Cena. Cody wants to work with John Cena. It's his fucking lifelong dream to work with John Cena in that capacity. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But let's start showing John Cena some respect. This is not the end for John Cena. He's not retiring after this. He's not retiring at Crown Jewel. He's not retiring in Saudi Arabia. Saul Sokoa is not going to be the one to retire him. He's just going away for a little bit. Now, the match itself, I thought this was going to be a house show match. I thought this was going to be very reminiscent of a household, uh, a house show match. A couple of early spots where John Cena gets to control solo. We get 15 minutes of fucking rest holds and solo beating him down. He comes back and then he ends up winning the match. He didn't win the match. The match played out basically just like that, but he didn't win the match. John Cena put over solo in the best way that Solo could have been put over. John Cena started working some joint manipulation here, man. John Cena worked a fucking body part and tried to take out the Samoan Spike early. John Cena was in a wrestling match and giving us in-ring psychology. Wow. Go figure. So, Solo gained control with some headbutts, and we got Solo in control for a good portion of this match. Nothing really too crazy. He went for a spike. Cena counted with an attempt of the AA. He never hit the AA in this match. Solo quickly cut him off, hit a big running hip attack in the corner. Solo went for the spike again. But this time, Cena counted into the STF. You. 
Sokoa escaped. He regained control of the match, threw Cena into the corner, followed up with another hip attack. Cena eventually started to make his signature comeback. He hit the five knuckle shuffle, the five knuckle shuffle. He hit the you can't see me and all this other shit. AA. He went for the AA. Sokoa dodged the AA and he hit a Samoan drop for a near fall. Cena came back with a big crossbody. He gets a two count off of the crossbody. Solo went for the spike again, but Cena cut him off and Cena pulled out a move. I don't think I remember Cena ever hitting a choke slam. Cena hit a choke slam on Solo Sokoa. He went for another AA attempt. Solo hit spinning Solo and countered the AA. Another spike attempt. This time Cena countered with the STFU again. Solo made it to the ropes, broke the hold. Finally, he gets up and he gets nailed, Cena, with the Samoan spike. Then we get another second Samoan spike and then a third Samoan spike and a fourth Samoan spike. It was around the third Samoan spike where the camera clearly picked up John Cena yelling something at Solo Sokoa. Right mid-match, calling spots on camera, dead to rights, to everybody watching at home. John Cena calling spots when he's getting decimated with Samoan spikes left and right. Only John Cena. A fourth Samoan spike. Solo then grabs Cena off of the floor, off of the mat, after the fourth Samoan spike, repeatedly gave him a spike in the throat, He finally pinned him, one, two, three, and Solo Sokoa beats John Cena clean in the middle of the ring. When everybody thought Cena was going to go over Solo, Solo absolutely spiked Cena into oblivion tonight and got the emphatic victory over John Cena. The biggest win of his career, the biggest match of his career, courtesy of John Cena. This was so much better than the fucking Mick, the, the tag team match at, at the last pay-per-view. Fast lane? What was it? Solo and Jimmy versus Cena and, and LA Knight? My God, was that match fucking boring. This was so much better than that. John Cena still chasing that big singles victory. When is it going to come? Where is it going to happen? Nobody knows. But John Cena on this night did the right thing. He made Solo a star. And Solo got the biggest win of his career. You cannot ask for anything better. Great shit. Then we got Miz TV. And if you guys wanted a fucking bathroom break, this was it. This was it. This was a waste of my fucking time. So much so that I'm not even going to go over it. A waste of my time. They had some... Saudi Hollywood actor there, I don't know, or Saudi actor to that that country. I don't know who he is. I don't care who he is. Grayson Waller came out to distract and interrupt with the Grayson Waller effect. Whatever. It, it was a bathroom break for the show. Don't care. Logan Paul. He went one-on-one with Rey Mysterio for the WWE United States Championship. Again, a match that people had penciled in as Logan Paul's winning the United States Championship. Fine. I know it's predictable. But it's how we get there is 
the question. It's the most important thing about this. How are we going to get there? And we got there. Logan Paul is the new United States champion. And I have no problem with that. As long as it's not a world championship, I don't really give a shit. Why does anybody care? Now, Logan Paul, I see a lot of people in the chat, and I saw a lot of people on social media. I've seen a lot of you guys beforehand when I talked about it in the beginning of the show. You don't really care about Logan Paul winning the United States Championship. Fine. You might not like Logan Paul. You might find it to be against what you want from WWE television to have him on TV. You don't think a YouTuber should be holding the championship and blah, 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 blah. Listen, I think you and I both know why Logan Paul is the United States champion. The first statistic out of Michael Cole's mouth is that this guy has near 100 million social media followers. How exactly do you expect Rey Mysterio to generate that type of interest for the WWE holding the United States championship? Not going to happen. It was not working out as Rey Mysterio held the United States Championship. It was just going nowhere. Where were you going? So WWE did the one thing that they needed to do tonight, and they took the United States Championship off of Rey Mysterio and put it on Logan Paul. Logan Paul is going to box with that United States Championship in frame. He's going to walk down the aisle for his next boxing match with the United States Championship. He's going to be front and center on his podcast With the United States Championship, he's going to be doing media and social media on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and YouTube and all this other shit. He's going to be doing appearances and interviews with the United States Championship draped over his shoulder in the Endeavor, now owned WWE. You didn't think that they were going to go that road? That route? Come on. Seen it from a mile away. It's what we do now with Logan Paul. You got to understand that, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying that I'm not. I, I book this shit for me. The way that I speak about this shit sometimes, I book it the way I would book it. For the hardcore fan, right? But I'm not an idiot. I know why they do what they do. I know how they work with who they work with, why they work with who they work with. Why sometimes decisions like that are made. I get it. I don't give a fuck about the business side of things. I don't give a shit about the numbers side of things. I care about the creative side of things. But at the end of the day, not only was this a good business move for WWE, it was a good creative move for WWE. Rey Mysterio was not a good creative move for the United States Championship. Logan Paul is. Well, why do you say that, J.D.? Well, Logan Paul now, with the United States Championship, he has already planted seeds to continue a feud with Ricochet. That's great. After their SummerSlam match, a lot of people were like, well, the way Logan Paul beat Ricochet, Ricochet's got to get his comeuppance. He's got to get his revenge at some point, right? When and where that's going to happen, I don't know. Is it going to happen for the United States Championship? Probably not. But if they want to do a United States Championship match, With Ricochet, they could absolutely do that. I don't think that's where they're going with this, though. WWE could do Ricochet and Logan Paul at Royal Rumble. 
That's where they really crossed paths for the first time anyway. Do a United States Championship match at the Royal Rumble. First of all, let's start at Survivor Series. They already planted a feud continuing with Logan Paul and Ricochet. Ricochet's feuding with Dominic Mysterio. Logan Paul has kind of befriended Dominic Mysterio as of late. The last, the last couple of times on TV anyway, he sided with Dominic Mysterio. So clearly they're continuing that. Survivor Series, I could see Logan Paul team with Dominic Mysterio against Ricochet and Rey Mysterio. Not only do you get Ricochet and Logan Paul in the ring at the same time, you get Logan Paul for cheating tonight in the ring with Rey Mysterio, and then you get Rey in the ring with Dominic. I mean, that just logistically makes sense from all different angles. It's the way I would book it. You could do Ricochet versus Logan Paul. I don't think that's the way to go about it. I think you include Ray and Dom. Dom's not going to be included, or I, at least I wouldn't include Dom in War Games. I wouldn't. Not if you mix Bloodline and Judgment Day together. Then you come out of that match and come out of Survivor Series with Logan Paul still being the United States champion. There's no pay-per-view in December. We worry about the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble's happening in Tampa at the end of January, the last September and January. You could do Logan Paul versus Ricochet there, or you could do Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens, which they conveniently and subtly planned. They planted seeds for that a couple weeks ago. Last week, in fact, when Logan Paul walked by Kevin Owens wearing a Rey Mysterio shirt, and he said, that shirt sucks. It's quite the interaction there, a very random interaction. I could see Kevin Owens going after Logan Paul for the United States Championship. That would be a banger match. I don't see Kevin Owens winning the United States Championship, but I could see Logan Paul and Kevin Owens having a damn good match in Tampa at the Royal Rumble. Logan Paul would win. Logan Paul then goes to the Elimination Chamber in front of 75,000 people in Perth. I could see him defend the title there. You know that WWE is going to want Logan Paul on a major international show. Maybe he defends the title there against... Ricochet, maybe another rematch against Rey Mysterio. Who knows? Maybe a new challenger is lined up. I don't know. And then we get to WrestleMania, where it ends, and I predictably think, this is my prediction, I think LA Knight and Logan Paul is the end goal. I think LA Knight and Logan Paul is the destination for Philadelphia, WrestleMania 40, United States Championship, on the line, the biggest United States title match that WWE has done for the United States Championship with Logan Paul getting his, his ass beaten by LA Knight and LA Knight winning his first major championship. That's the road I would pave for LA Knight as United States champion. Or Logan Paul, I should say, as well, as the United States champion with Logan Paul dropping the title to LA Knight. It's the way I would do it. It's the only thing that makes sense. I, I've predicted this from, for weeks now. If you guys have been watching my live stream, I've said this for weeks. Weeks. Now, the monkey wrench in all this is Santos Escobar. He played a big factor into the ending of the match. And let's see how we got there. The ending was pretty weak. I, I have to admit, why do you think it was weak, J.D.? It set up a potential heel turn for Santos Escobar. No shit, Sherlock. Thank you. Thank you for pinpointing the obvious. I get it. 
You guys think you're smarter than me. I get it. Like, I haven't been predicting Santos versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 40 since WrestleMania 39. Give me a break. Everybody that watches me on a weekly basis knows I have said the WrestleMania match in Philadelphia should be Santos Escobar versus Rey Mysterio, whether the championship is on the line or not. That's your match. What's Santos turning heel? Let's figure it out. The match itself, this was, you may think differently, this is just my point of view, I thought this was the weakest Logan Paul match in his entire WWE run. I don't know what happened here. It felt very clunky. The crowd did not find themselves excited or interested in what was going on here. And it just felt flat. I don't know what it was. Maybe I was expecting something else. Logan Paul is great. But there were spots in this match that were very clunky. It was sloppy. Crowd didn't help at all, which led to the match feeling very unimpressed. Or leaving me unimpressed. They left the match unimpressive. I didn't find any any energy to care about this match because of the, the crowd reaction or the lack thereof of crowd reaction. So we got some back and forth early between these two guys. Logan Paul took Rey Mysterio, held him on the ground. He picked up Rey Mysterio with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. Mysterio, trying to fight back, dodged a corner strike from Logan Paul. And Logan Paul goes to the outside, hit a suicide dive out to the floor, did Rey Mysterio. We go back in the ring. Logan Paul managed to connect on a very sloppy-looking buckshot lariat. He doesn't do it as swift and as smooth as Adam Hangman Page. Logan Paul missed a right hand because he's got that, that lead, that steel in the right hand. That's the story. He missed that right hand shot, walked into a Mysterio crossface. Logan Paul made it to the ropes to break the submission hold. Mysterio went for a moonsault, and he did this lion salt-like move, did Rey Mysterio. Now, I don't know what had happened here. Now, it looked like Rey Mysterio was going for some sort of moonsault, springboard moonsault off the second rope. I don't know what was the problem here. I don't know if Logan Paul was out of position. I don't know if Rey Mysterio kind of undershot the moonsault. But Logan Paul barely caught Rey Mysterio and prevented Rey Mysterio from being dropped on his head and lifted Rey Mysterio up and fixed the situation by delivering a power slam after catching Mysterio off of the moonsault. Very sloppy spot, but Logan Paul somehow made it work. Logan Paul then hit a fall-away slam moonsault combination move off the top rope, which looked fucking devastating. He goes for recovery, gets a near fall. Mysterio is making a comeback. He gets the advantage. He tried for the 619. Logan Paul grabbed him as he hit the 619, grabbed his legs. Logan Paul lifted Mysterio on his shoulders. Mysterio counters, hits a code red, and suddenly, with Logan Paul leaning on the ropes, someone from Logan Paul's camp, no name, looked like the same guy that helped him in the Seth Rollins match at... Actually, not the Seth Rollins match. I think it was the same guy that helped Logan Paul beat Ricochet at SummerSlam. No name to this guy. This guy handed Logan Paul a pair of brass knuckles. Logan Paul got posted 
by Rey Mysterio. And all of a sudden, the brass knuckles go flying. So Logan Paul does not have possession of the brass knuckles anymore. So this guy, this unnamed guy, sneaks around ringside away from the referee's vantage point. He goes to get the brass knuckles that flew out of Logan Paul's hand. Santos Escobar jumps over the barricade, steps on the brass knuckles, picks up the brass knuckles. This guy runs away from Santos Escobar. Santos chases this guy, but before he engages in a full-fledged chase of this unnamed geek in Logan Paul's camp, he puts the brass knuckles on the ring apron. Logan Paul sees the brass knuckles there. He picks them up. He uses the brass knuckles to punch Rey Mysterio in the face. One, two, three. And Logan Paul wins the United States Championship. I tweeted that the ending came off fucking stupid. It was ridiculous. Not only was this the worst Logan Paul match of his entire WWE run so far, and I don't mean that in a hugely negative way. It was still a serviceable match. It just didn't live up to the quality of Ricochet and Rollins and Reigns. And you would think with Rey Mysterio, the magic that they can create in the ring. We didn't get anywhere close to that. Clunky. Couple of botches in there. And the finish came off fucking stupid. Now, I get what everybody is saying. The finish came off strange because he left the knuckles, the breast knuckles on the apron. And in pro wrestling logic, you would think that Escobar left the knuckles on the apron because he really wanted Rey Mysterio to lose. And he left them there for Logan Paul. But he ended up chasing this guy away because he did not want the breast knuckles to be used on Rey Mysterio. My point is, they could have come up with a better ending to give Logan Paul the United States Championship. A human being in that spot is not going to pick up the brass knuckles, stop the brass knuckles from being used in a nefarious way, only to then, oh, let me put the brass knuckles on the ring apron after the whole fucking reason for him being out there is to stop the brass knuckles from being used. I would not make that decision as a human being. If I'm chasing this guy, the brass knuckles go in my pocket and I go chase this guy away from ringside because Rey Mysterio, he's got a one-on-one fair match now with Logan Paul. But everybody's telegraphing a fucking heel turn. Where on WWE television have we gotten any hint of a heel turn between Santos Escobar and Rey Mysterio? I can name two fucking instances, and even the instances that I've seen don't really speak to me as, oh my God, he's turning heel. There were two instances. One, where he was in a tag team match against the Hurt Business, and they lost. And Rey Mysterio looked at Santos Escobar and 
Santos Escobar looked for a split second like he was upset at Rey Mysterio and that he was going to blame him for losing against the Shree Profits. And then the other thing was they were backstage and Carlito was being welcomed into the LWO and Santos Escobar was looking like, why do we need this guy? Almost in a jealous type of emotion that fell over Santos Escobar's body. Like, I don't want this guy. He got me. Him being here is now going now to devalue me. It is now going to diminish my role. Meanwhile, Rey Mysterio just brought Carlito into the LWO. That I saw as a potential problem for, for Santos Escobar as well. But there was nothing outside that. There has been nothing outside that that has even telegraphed a fucking heel turn. Now, if they tell the story of Santos leaving the brass knuckles on the apron on purpose because he wanted Logan Paul to win because of Rey Mysterio and him being upset at Rey Mysterio for some reason, then fine. But it still comes off as stupid. If you wanted Santos to turn heel, he should have been the one to hit Rey Mysterio with the brass knuckles behind the referee's back Tonight, but they don't want to do that because they got to long play it. They got to slow burn it. That would have made a lot more sense than what we saw tonight. Right now, he just comes off as stupid. Right now, everybody's going off of a hunch that he left them there for Logan Paul. Is Rey Mysterio going to call this shit out? Rey Mysterio didn't even seem to fucking care when he lost the goddamn match. He didn't care about the breast knuckles being left there by Santos. He didn't even realize All he knows is that Logan Paul used the brass knuckles. He don't know how Logan Paul got possession of the brass knuckles. He don't know where the brass knuckles were. Yes, but Santos is turning heel. Great. Like, we didn't know that. I've been claiming this was going to be the case for months now. I called it after WrestleMania. I called it during SummerSlam, before SummerSlam. Your WrestleMania match in Philadelphia is Rey Mysterio versus Santos Escobar. Boom. Pass the torch. LWO finished. Legato. Heel Santos. Him turning on Rey is going to be a big deal. I just thought the ending came off a little stupid because as a human being, your first instinct is, hey, I'm out there to stop the breast lungs from being used. I'm going to put them in my pocket, not put them on the fucking ring apron. Just a little silly. Anyway, I like Logan Paul winning the United States Championship. I think it's going to do well with the title being on him. It's just the ending, you know, and you guys might not, you might not find it to be a big deal, but I put in my notes, you know, it could be a hint of a heel turn, but Santos, he was out there to stop the brass knuckles from being used. Why leave the knuckles on the ring apron and then make the save in the first place if he didn't have Rey Mysterio's, you know, well-being in the back of his mind? I don't I don't really I don't get it. It's it's just a little weird for me, man. Seriously. Could be a hint of a heel turn by Escobar, but since he left the knuckles on the ring apron, why make the save in the first place? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Should be interesting. Logan Paul 
parading around with the United States Championship on social media will be what the title needs, for sure. Io Sky versus Bianca Belair. Women's championship match. This was another downer of a match, to be quite honest with you, because of the crowd reaction. There was not lots of energy for this match tonight. And I don't know what happened here. I don't. Uh, I loved their match in Puerto Rico. Unbelievable match between these two. But the crowd was all the difference in that match. Unbelievable reaction. In Saudi Arabia, not so much. So it just felt a little flat to me. Belair started off hot. By the way, I did not mention, and I'm going to mention this here. I'm kind of upset at myself that it took me five matches to, to mention Byron Saxton. I thought Byron Saxton did a fantastic job filling in for Samantha Irvin or Mike Rome. Don't know why neither one of those individuals did not make the trip, but Byron Saxton was out there doing the ring announcing for all of Crown Jewel tonight, and he did a fantastic job on commentary. I've seen a lot of people on social media praising his work. I've seen a lot of people praising that he should take Mike Rome's spot on Friday Night SmackDown. Let's not, let's not try and replace somebody who's also very good at his job, okay? There's nothing wrong with Mike Rome. Who knows why they could not make the trip either? I don't know. WWE doesn't send all of their crew over there. But Byron Saxton tonight, when you need somebody to fill in, you know, you know, instead of going to NXT and getting, what's her name, Alicia Tyler or Alicia Edwards or whatever the fuck her name is on NXT, you just use Byron Saxton. I thought he did a great job. I, I seen a lot of people saying that he kind of channeled his inner Finkel. Howard Finkel is the greatest ring announcer of all time. There's n- nobody ever that's even going to come close to Howard Finkel and what he did. Howard Finkel is the voice of my childhood. And if you don't know Howard Finkel, go back and watch some old school WWE. Howard Finkel is the greatest that will ever live, ever. The world could blow up and there could be new civilization. And Howard Finkel will still be the greatest ring announcer of all time. He did sound a little Howard Finkelish. Not going to lie. But he also, he kind of had a little tad bit of Howard Finkel. He also, whatever the Ring of Honor ring announcer is, I thought he sounded very similar to him as well. Excellent job. So shout out to Byron Saxon. Don't like him as a color, but a ring announcer. Hey, good job. Belair started the match off on fire. Attacked EO around the ring. Hit a vertical suplex for a near fall quickly. EO cut her off. Began working over Belair's knee which was the story as to why she was out for two months. Belair then hit a series of multiple suplexes. EO, EO cut her off, and she put Belair in a leg lock. Sky went for a senton, but Belair dodged the senton. Belair comes back, hits multiple body slams, starts attacking EO. EO gains control of the match briefly, but Belair cut her off with another suplex. Pretty fundamental, boring stuff up until this point. Bailey all of a sudden, emerges on the outside, jumps on the apron, has Belair missed a dive, and EO goes for a cover for a near fall. EO looked very surprised to see that Bailey was out ringside. She didn't want her meddling in her business. So EO used Belair's own hair to attack her and then hit a big moonsault to the floor. Belair managed to cut off EO with a glam slam 
Are we uh, teasing Jade Cargill and Bianca Belair teaming up at some point? She basically used Jade's jaded here. Bailey kept repeatedly getting involved, distracting both competitors and the referee. At one point, EO accidentally took out Bailey because she interfered so much. So we get to the finish. Up until this point, there was really nothing special about the match. Belair was in control on the outside. Bailey was a nuisance to a point where they were fumbling around on the outside, and Bailey said, Enough of this shit. She gets Bailey in the KOD setup. And she's going over to the announce table and wants to do the KOD on Bailey through the announce table. All of a sudden, Kyrie Sane jumps the barricade and she returns to WWE. For a split second, the commentary team were like, what? And stopped. They didn't say anything. Then Kyrie hits Bianca with a spinning back fist. And then Michael Cole is, is that? That cannot be! Is that Kyrie Sane? Yes, Cole. It's Kyrie Sane. You know who Kyrie Sane is. You've seen her before. Acting shocked like you've never seen her before. Kyrie's out there spinning back fist to Bianca Belair. Absolutely zero. Zero reaction. Fucking crickets. Seriously. Not a single fucking peep in Saudi Arabia. Now, Kyrie looks great. She looked fantastic. Happy to see Kyrie back. It's all about the creative and how they use her. That's going to be the difference in her joining the company now for a second time. But there was no reaction to Kyrie saying, you might not care that there's no reaction. You just may be happy that she's back, but I got to call it out. There was no reaction in Saudi Arabia. Does Saudi Arabia know who Kyrie saying is? Probably not. But Triple H, and I got to call this out because everybody thinks I, you know, am riding Triple H's fucking coattails and I'm a Triple H shill and I'm a Triple H dick rider and all this other shit, right? Triple H has fucked up Several returns for several different women. This is not the first time he's fucked this up. This is a very questionable return in this moment with this crowd that got zero reaction. Now, he did the same thing with Tegan Knox. He did the same thing with Candice LeRae. He did the same thing with Indy Hartwell. I mean, Triple H is guilty of putting these women in spots that get zero reaction and they don't come off as impactful. This could have waited. This could have waited till we got back to the States. This didn't need to happen in Saudi Arabia. I think Kyrie Sane, being the biggest name of the return of ladies here in the WWE, deserves a little bit better of a return. That's all I'm saying. Not the place to bring her back. Triple H is constantly fucked up with the women, putting them in situations where they debut or return and there's no reaction. You're fighting behind very, very big when you put them in that spot. Now, hopefully it's a different reaction when we get back to the States on Friday night. Hopefully it's a little bit of a better reaction going into Chicago for Survivor Series. But tonight, zero reaction. 
So after Kyrie Sane made a return, spinning back fist, the referee tees counting Belair out. All of a sudden, she's back in the ring. Io hits the moonsault. One, two, three, retains the title. After the match, Sky and Sane attacked Belair. And Io went up top, or Kyrie went up top, I should say, and hit the insane elbow. Beautiful elbow drop. They hugged at the end of the match, and Bailey was in shock. She didn't know what to think. She don't know what EO is doing. EO seems to be going into business for herself because she doesn't want to deal with Bailey anymore. I'm tired of damage control. I'm tired of potentially having my title reign fucked by Bailey and her fucking antics that never work. You don't have my best interest at heart. You want the title. EO's going to come to figure that out, if not already. Now she's aligned herself with Kyrie. And whoever else she wants to align herself with, maybe we get Asuka involved. Maybe there's somebody else that Triple H is bringing in. I don't know. Maybe there's other Japanese talent that is leaving stardom that Triple H is looking at. I have no idea. So we'll see what happens there. But Kyrie Sane is back in WWE. I thought it could have been a little bit better of a, of a debut or return. But I'm liking where they're going with this because it now opens up several different aspects. Is Bianca going to assemble her own team for War Games to go against EO and her newly formed mega group here of close-knit friends from Japan? What's going to happen with Bailey? Is she going to now turn babyface? What's going to happen to Dakota? Telling you right now what I would do with Dakota, I would move her to Monday Night Raw, get her off of SmackDown, get her away from Bailey. Bailey needs to be on her own. Bailey needs to be a babyface. On her own, the heel stick has not worked. Common ground here between Bailey and Bianca. Have them befriend each other. Move Dakota to Monday Night Raw and get Team Kick back together. Pair her with Tegan Knox. Get that team off the ground. You want tag teams? There you go. Can't figure out a better way to use Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox ain't doing jack shit on her own. Pair her with Dakota Kai. Have them get over as a tag team. Then you got Piper Niven, Chelsea Green. You got Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Then you got Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Three solid tag teams right there. Again, I'm giving you this information. I'm giving you this creative for free. I don't work for, for a charge. I don't work for an hourly wage. There you go. Cody Rhodes. One-on-one with Damian Priest here. Basic Monday Night Raw main event. I mean, I don't know what else you guys want me to say. Don't know what else you want me to say. Cody Rhodes beats Damian Priest. This one went about, uh, I would say, 10 minutes or so. I didn't really, you know, uh, keep a track on how long this went. Crowd was fine. Crowd was super into Cody. They did the, you know, whole fucking, whoa! Twice, and then two times after he won the match. You know, the whole fucking thing. They did the Rollins, too, where they did his fucking uh, singing of his theme song. You know, the whole... uh, Sorry, I didn't uh, I didn't give you guys my melodious angelic voice in the beginning of the show. Cody Rhodes wins here. Rhodes started off hot. Damien Priest managed to get some offense in here at ringside. Rhodes floats over Priest, landed on his injured ankle. Uh Uh-oh, Cody with the injured ankle. 
There's a lot of priests to get the advantage here. Rhodes came back in a disaster kick. They made their way to the announce table where priests managed to lay Rhodes out with a reckoning, which is basically the crossroads. We go back into the ring. Rhodes fired back with a crossroads of his own. So another distraction here. J.D. McDonough. The fake J.D., by the way. J.D. McFish. J.D. McFlurry. J.D. McBig Mac. Well, whatever else you guys are calling him nowadays. J.D. McDonough. McSkillet. McRib. I don't know who eats McDonald's, but it's not for me. If I'm going to eat fast food, it's Chick-fil-A. Just throwing that out there. Even that. Very rarely. Chick-fil-A. The lines are too long, though. Ever go to a Chick-fil-A? Jesus fucking Christ, the line is like fucking six miles long every time. Why? Ridiculous. What the fuck are they putting in the chicken nuggets, man? J.D. McDouble. So J.D. McDonough's out there. Balor distracted the referee. Balor's out there. Uh Uh-oh, we got J.D. McDonough and Balor out there distracting the referee. So... J.D. laid out Rhodes. This gives Priest the opening, and he hit south of heaven. Dominic Mysterio then comes out with a chair. Jay Uso then comes out with a super kick on Dominic Mysterio. Rhodes makes a comeback. Hit a big Cody cutter from the top, which I thought was it. He then gets up and hits not one. One, two, three, crossroads. Ha, ha, ha. Like Sesame Street out here. What's, what's with the three crossroads? Yeah, thanks, Cody. Thanks, Cody. Today's number is number three. One. One crossroads. Two crossroads. Three crossroads. Ha, 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 ha. The fucking count. It's great. Cody Rhodes wins. No money in the bank briefcase on the line. Jay Uso was the only one. We had Damian Priest, we had Finn Balor, we had J.D. McRib, and we had Dominic Myster- Finn Balor and Dominic Mysterio out there. We had all members of Judgment Day out there, minus Rhea, and the only one that came out to help was Jay Uso. Does, does Cody not have any friends? I mean, where, where are Cody's friends here? Where's Sami Zayn? Ah, what the fuck do I know, man? I'm not booking the goddamn show. I'm not Paul Levesque. I don't know. Whatever. Cody Rhodes wins. What's the next chapter in his story? War games. If it ain't the way I laid it out for you, figure it out. Main event. Roman Reigns. Yeet. Roman Reigns defends the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship against L.A. Knight. Yeah! Now we got echoes for yeah, huh? Maybe a little too much echo, huh? L.A. Knight, Roman Reigns, main event, Universal Championship. Coming near the end here. Appreciate you guys 
hanging out with me on the stream tonight. 2,200 in here. Near 1,000 likes. Let's get those likes up, man, before we finish talking about Roman Reigns and the predictable ending that was for his championship match here. This actually ended up being pretty decent, man. You know, LA Knight is not the most scientific wrestler. He's not the... He's not the most exciting in-ring performer. LA Knight's moveset is very basic. He works with what he is given. He's athletic. He looks great. He's over. He's got the catchphrase. He's a great promo. But, you know, you're not expecting him to go out there and wrestle like a fucking Brian Danielson. You're not looking for him to go out there and wrestle a five-star match. He's going to bring what he can bring and be very well at it. But there's a limit to what L.A. Knight can do. He wrestles, honestly, he wrestles like an early 1990s professional wrestler. He's got his spots. He's got his signature moves and that's it. You're not expecting anything more from him because it's mostly crowd reaction, emotion, right? And then the big spots. So we got the introductions. We got the hype. We got the feel. We got the bell ringing. This felt like a big deal. This felt like a big time main event. Knight went right after Roman Reigns. He did. Immediately right after Roman Reigns. Knight came back with a big shoulder block after Roman Reigns kind of tried to stop his offensive onslaught for a little bit. Came back with a shoulder block on the apron, slammed Roman down. Roman goes to the outside, takes a little bit of a timeout with Paul Heyman. L.A. Knight had a baseball slide out to the floor because he didn't want Roman Reigns to be taking a timeout here. He took Roman down with a clothesline off the apron. Reigns eventually takes control and works a slow offensive style, very methodical here. He whipped L.A. Knight into the turnbuckle very hard. Roman laid some submission holds on L.A. Knight. He was... Doing his thing, kind of mocking the crowd and talking trash tonight and the crowd. He mocked L.A. Knight's hand gestures. L.A. Knight. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Fuck off. So he's mimicking and making fun of the crowd and L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight cut him off, hit a top rope bulldog on Roman. Roman then regained control. He goes for a Superman punch. L.A. Knight blocked a attempt of Superman punch. But he was laid out, and Roman goes for a quick cover. That's a near fall. Roman Reigns attempted a spear early on. Knight leapfrogged over the spear. He went for a superplex. Reigns knocked Knight off the top rope, but Knight leapt back onto the turnbuckle and connected with a superplex for a near fall. So we got another interference here on Crown Jewel. How many fucking interferences, man? So we got Solo Sokoa. He's out there walking down the aisle. Referee stopped him immediately. This was all a distraction, though. This was all a distraction to take the eyes off of Jimmy Uso, who was down by ringside. He dragged Reigns out of the ring. Knight attacked Jimmy, but Reigns hit a Superman punch on the outside in between this melee. So he knocked L.A. Knight out. He gets in the ring, hits a massive spear. He gets a one, two, and L.A. Knight kicks out. Reigns then applied a guillotine to Knight. Knight escapes, 
cut reins off and hit a BFT. Now, you would think with LA Knight having the championship on the line, oh man, I just hit my finishing move. Let me drag the champion to the middle of the ring so he doesn't put his foot on the bottom rope. LA Knight, I guess, lost train of thought here. He makes the cover off the BFT. Jimmy Uso's on the outside. Referee counts one, two, and Jimmy Uso puts the foot on the bottom rope. Referee sees the foot, stops the count. A little ridiculous. LA Knight then said, you know what? Fuck this shit. He leaves Roman Reigns in the ring. He goes out to attack Jimmy. He eventually puts him through the announce table. He is now on the outside by the timekeeper's area. He's got his back turned. He turns around. Roman spears him right through the ringside barricade by the timekeeper's area. Rolled him back into the ring. Speared him one more time. One, two, three. And LA Knight loses to outside interference from the bloodline again. The same ending that every other Roman Reigns match has seen, and L.A. Knight is now the recipient and the culprit of bullshit booking from Roman Reigns in the bloodline. Decent match. It was more about L.A. Knight standing up to the test of Roman Reigns in the main event for the World Championship, how he was going to conduct himself how he was going to stand there face-to-face with the biggest star in the industry. He did all that. He passed the test with flying colors. That was basically all this was about. And this is why I had a problem with it. You risked L.A. Knight's momentum. You risked L.A. Knight's heat with the crowd to have him lose in the same way that everybody else has fallen to Roman Reigns. That was the top of WWE's priority list. How do we get LA Knight to lose this match? Because we're not taking the title off Roman until WrestleMania. How do we get LA Knight in this match to lose while keeping his momentum and building him the same way hot into Survivor Series? I guess the only thing was the bloodline. That's the only thing that these collective minds came up with. Oh, we'll go with the bloodline. <laughs> That's the only thing you could come up with. Why not just have Cody beat Damian Priest and maybe one other member of Judgment Day out there? Where's Rhea? What about Rhea Ripley? What about Rhea Ripley and all, all of her dealings with the bloodline? Why aren't we playing into the fact that the Judgment Day and the bloodline have this partnership? Why couldn't that be the reason LA Knight lost? Why did it have to be Jimmy Uso? Who gives a shit about Jimmy Uso? At least with the bloodline interfering, then it gives LA Knight a reason to back Cody Rhodes to be in war games because he lost a chance at beating the biggest name in the sport because of the bloodline. And now he wants his revenge on the bloodline and he's going to team with Cody to be at war, at Survivor Series. I mean, I don't know why I'm the only one that's talking about this. Why? Why are we doing the same fucking ending every single time, every match for the last three years? Did LA Knight get buried? No. 
Stop the narrative about LA Knight being buried. LA Knight wasn't buried. We can still get to where I just told you, but WWE should have let it play out tonight. I don't know why we need to wait for TV to let that play out. Are we even going to get Roman Reigns in war games? For all we know, he could really be missing Survivor Series, which I think would be a huge fail. What do you do with LA Knight then? Does Jimmy get involved in war games? Do we get Jimmy? Do we get Solo? Do we get Finn, Damien, and J.D. McDonough in war games? Against Cody, Sammy, Jay, L.A. Knight, and then Randy Orton. Because I think Randy Orton fits best. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting three weeks. This is the one thing that I am I'm waiting for, man. I'm excited to see what Triple H has in store. I'm excited to see what he does to give us war games. What the teams are going to be. Because we, we, we got war games announced tonight. It's happening at Survivor Series. But we will figure it out. The last thing that I want is Roman Reigns going on another vacation. We got all of November, all of December, and then all of January. He's not going to be taking three months off. He will be back. If he's going to be off TV, he will be back in January to build for his title match at the Royal Rumble against whoever that may be. AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, I don't know. Whoever the fuck they put in there with him. I don't know. But right now, all WWE is doing is padding Roman Reigns' stats so that he gets as close to Hulk Hogan as possible. He ain't going nowhere. For him to break Hogan's record, it's got to take him into SummerSlam. I don't know why we're so, you know, why we're so in the business of keeping Roman off of television. There are people there for him to defend the title against. There are things for him to do. He should not be missing Survivor Series. Anyway, I appreciate you guys very much for hanging out with me tonight, man. We are going to get into the Super Chat portion of the show. Tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling, and you're going to get your Blue Chew sample for free. Absolutely, man. You know, I talk about Blue Chew being your way to long term booking, man. Don't let it be shit creative like tonight. Long-term booking is key. Blue Chew is your way to long-term booking, man. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, and it comes in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is very simple. You're going to sign up at BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. It's all done online. And the best part is you don't got to wait at the doctor's office. You don't, have a, you don't have to have any awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. It's all done online. All direct. Made in the USA is BlueChew. Prepared and shipped to you in a very discreet package. If you guys want some extra confidence, why not give Blue Chew a try, man? Special deal for everybody listening to tonight's Crown Jewel Post Show. Use code JD at checkout. Free samples for you guys. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. 
BlueChew.com. Code JD. want to thank BlueChew for once again sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Get those super chats in. Hit that thumbs up. Thank you guys for 1,000 likes. And hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications and follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And Cameo. Michelle with a $2 super chat. Sammy stopped the cashing. Sweet. Heel Drew comes to Raw. Yep. Tyler with a 199. CM Punk chance broke out before the event started. Of course they did. Michelle with the $2 super chat. Only Jake came to help Cody. No Sammy or Ricochet. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody came to help Cody. Only Jay Uso. Tyler with a 199. He says, JD, I appreciate you. Thank you, Tyler. Sham World with 13 months. Appreciate you, brother. You've seen one Roman Reigns match. You've seen them all. He puts no effort into anything anymore. No fault to LA Knight. He gave it his best, but that match sucked. I wouldn't go that far, man. I didn't think the match sucked, but it was more about how LA Knight can hang with Roman Reigns. Now they know he can and can be in that spot. And when the big time comes again, he will be gifted and he will be rewarded. Tay-Tay with 15 months. Hi, JD. 15 months and counting. LA Knight is not buried. He will be fine. Yeah. LA Knight is not buried, guys. Average Gamer. Hello, JD. What do you think LA Knight should do? Win the Or when do you think LA Knight should win the Universal Championship? The end of 2024 or end of 2025? Uh, I don't I don't know why we're booking LA Knight to win any championships outside the United States title. He can get injured. Fans could not like him as much as they do now. I mean, you guys are talking about end of 24 going into 25. Why? I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Paul Van Tassel with a $5 super chat. 25 years ago today, I moved out of my parents' house. Paul Van Tassel, I'm glad that you conveniently told us that you do not live in your mother's basement anymore. Thank you. AJBZ, 1994, with a $20 super chat. JD, my man, thank you for being here always and being an escape to reality. Rough few months and I lost myself. Love sucks. Heartbreak and not feeling enough. Keep being awesome, and I'll support whenever I can. P.S. Jesse, crying emoji. Sorry to hear that, man. Glad that you find solace and some calm in the podcast, man. I know I don't have uh, the most soothing voice as I talk about pro wrestling. I'm very uh, intense, but uh, I appreciate you being here, man. And we, as a family, as an OTS family, would do what we can. To make sure that at least for a couple hours every night, man, you're taken care of. Rathuel with a 750 in Super Chat. JD, thanks for introducing me to Andy James. That guy kicks ass. I've been looking for a good instrumental guitarist for a while. What the fuck are you drinking? 
Andy James is incredible, brother. Absolutely amazing guitar player. One of my favorites. Sinister with 13 months. My tribal chief, may I receive an early happy birthday? It's tomorrow. Match of the year, Roman Reigns versus LA Knight. Could you see Guthrie beating Roman at WrestleMania 40? OTS for life. Sinister, happy birthday, brother. Everybody give Sinister some birthday cake emojis in the chat. Match of the year, Roman Reigns versus LA Knight? No, that belongs to, uh, still to me, uh, MJF versus Brian Danielson at Revolution. Uh, Gunther versus Roman at WrestleMania 40? No. Roman's wrestling Cody, and Gunther I'm putting in the ring with Seth Rollins. Edward Liu with a 499. The last four matches had run-in interferences. That made this event seem serviceable in the end. It felt like Groundhog's Day, and I felt bored by the end. That's what happens when they book themselves creatively the way that they've booked themselves. Thank you, Edward. Uh, Beyond the script with a 499. WWE just hitting the repeat button at this point. For how all the title matches end, why am I getting very uninterested and just wait for you, JD? I don't know, man. A lot of people seem uninterested. Hopefully that changes going into Survivor Series, but I appreciate you being here. Lucky Geo with a 499. Great stream, JD. In my opinion, I think Cena should have beaten Solo. Nothing wrong with losing to the GOAT. Solo could have beaten him in the rematch. Well, we don't know when John Cena's going to be back, Lucky Geo. You do it now instead of waiting. Solo needs it now, not later. Tay-Tay with a 999. What I could see at War Games is this. Cody, Jay, Sammy, Knight, and Orton versus Roman, Jimmy, Solo, Finn, and Damian. EO, Kyrie, Damage Control versus Bianca, Charlotte, Asuka, and Jade. Maybe. I don't know if the women... I don't know if the women is... The creative, I don't know if it lines up with the intensity of there being a War Games match to finish that. They got three weeks to tell that story. I doubt that it really is going to be needed for the ladies. I would much rather a five-on-five or a four-on-four Survivor Series traditional elimination match. We only need one War Games match, and that's with the Judgment Day. The ladies don't need War Games. AJ with a 499. What's up, JD? My tribal chief, I thought Crown Jewel was a decent show. Starting to get tired of Roman's title run. It needs to end, and I can't wait for War Games. Yeah, I think War Games is going to be very good, man. Very excited for War Games. Thomas with two months. He says, hi, JD. What the fuck are you drinking? I'm drinking something tonight, Thomas. I don't know what it is. Also with a $5 super chat is Thomas. Who would you make the best storyline to take the belt off Roman? Gunther, MJF, CM Punk, Damian Priest, Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, or Nick Aldis? Cody Rhodes. We could see Roman versus AJ at the Royal Rumble. We could see Roman versus Orton at the Royal Rumble. Ed the Hatter with a 199. Thanks for everything, JD. You're the man. Cheers. Thank you, Ed. Ricardo Linnell with a 39 months of VIP. WWE made LA Knight feel the same way as every other opponent that Roman has defeated. It's a damn shame. They are so gone from the bloodline story, man. It's just, you know, Roman needs to drop the title. It's just the way it is. 
Tony and Visionary become new members. Actually, Visionary, you're not a new member. It says you're a member for eight months. I don't know why it says that. But Tony, thank you for your membership, brother. And Visionary, thank you for the eight months. Logan versus Logan as U.S. champ is going to be interesting. I think he'll do great. Hope you're doing well, JD. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Visionary. Appreciate you, man. Fujins with 19 months. Thank you, man. Love you always, JD. Fujins, thank you, brother. Clone Force with a $4.99. Can I get a prayer for my dog, Rocky, who passed away this morning? I'm sorry to hear that, Clone Force. Everybody give me some prayer emojis in the chat for my guy, Clone Force, man. Justin Phoenix with a $5. Cody was, or was Cody's, whoa, buried after WrestleMania. No, LA Knight is going to be fine. Yeah. Cheers, JD, Jesse, Drew, and Chat. And Adam! No, Cody was not buried after WrestleMania. Oh, actually, I don't know. Co- Cody, Cody did not. Cody's creative was not good after WrestleMania. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not, but it was not good after WrestleMania. That feud with Lesnar fucking did everything to derail Cody Rhodes. He felt like a loser. Chris with a 499. Hello, my tribal chief. May I ask you a question, please? If we need to, if, or if we do indeed get Roman versus Cody 2 at WrestleMania, does it call for hell in a cell? No. One-on-one traditional Cody Rhodes wins the title and he goes and becomes the undisputed champion. And Juan Lopez with a $2 super chat. Where does Punk fit in at Mania if he shows up at Survivor Series? Seth Rollins. That's where he fits in. Or maybe... Or maybe... I can't even say Seth Rollins right now. With the way Will Ospreay tweeted at Seth Rollins tonight, with Will Ospreay potentially joining WWE, we could get Rollins versus Ospreay at WrestleMania this year. It'll be very interesting, man. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Thank you for a tremendous stream tonight. We had near 2,500 in here for Crown Jewel. Appreciate you guys. Thomas with the $2 Super Chat. Are you leaving YouTube to be exclusive on Kick? I don't know why you guys think I'm leaving YouTube. I mean, you guys just come up with the weirdest fucking shit. Honestly. No, I'm not leaving YouTube. Thank you guys very much for all your support, man. Thank you for tremendous stream. We have 2,500 in here tonight. The Crouchful Post Show on OTS. Next time you see me will not be tonight for AEW Collision because I'm not watching it. I'll catch up with it tomorrow. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out my sponsor for tonight's show, BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. You get your free sample on me, courtesy of the podcast. Go check out all the other content on the channel. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Stay in the loop of everything that goes on here with the podcast. 
And next time you guys see me, it will be live after Monday Night Raw as we now build towards Survivor Series. And we can put Crown Jewel in the rear view mirror, guys. Thank you so very much for all your support, and I'll see you back. Maybe with more news tomorrow, depending on what the news is for Sunday. And live, right back here on OTS for the Monday Night Raw review, right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.